Holy Gospel for today is from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I have said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Beloved of God, grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It was a strange time for a meeting. Everything was closed for the day. Families were in their homes. Dinner had been served. Evening prayers had been prayed. The city was dark, except maybe for an occasional torch here and there. Night was not your typical time for a meeting. But it was the time of Nicodemus's choosing at the time when he approached Jesus for a brief yet important conversation. Maybe Nicodemus was a night owl. He was a scholar, after all, a Pharisee. Maybe he liked pulling all-nighters studying the Torah. Or maybe he met Jesus at night because he was concerned about being seen with him. Nicodemus was a member of that Jewish council that governed so many aspects of life. He enjoyed the respect of his community. He had influence. What would it look like if he were seen with this rabble-rouser who had been the source of so much controversy in Jerusalem? For whatever reason, the conversation between these two particular men took place under cover of darkness. In Bible study this last week, we talked about how John, the gospel writer, uses night to mean so much more than a time of day. It often indicates a state of being, of doubt, or ignorance, or confusion. 
This seems to be true for Nicodemus. Something inside him was unsettled. He felt the ground shifting under him. Now I imagine that he was used to being thought of as a man of answers. People looked to him to solve problems, to speak from his tradition, to make decisions. But the old answers weren't working for him anymore. So he went to Jesus full of questions. Rabbi, we know you come from God. No one could perform the miraculous signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus addressed Jesus as a peer, one teacher talking to another. But these don't sound like the questions of a rabbi, of a teacher. They sound like the questions of a child. Who are you? Where did you come from? How do you do all this great stuff? What do you mean? What are you talking about? How can this be? Jesus could tell that this was not a consultation among colleagues. There was more at stake than proper theology. This was about faith. So Jesus responded in the language of faith. He spoke of water and spirit, of being born again. He spoke of the love of God, of God's purpose and mission in the world. He spoke of his role in God's salvation. I think Jesus was a patient teacher, at least in this scene. He recognized that the Holy Spirit was on the loose in Nicodemus. It had blown into his life and shaken up all his tidy understandings of God. As a result, Nicodemus was puzzled, curious, trying to make sense of what he was experiencing. The Spirit was moving in him, and it was not comfortable. Jesus spoke plainly to him. God loved the world in this way, Nicodemus. God gave what was most precious, so that all who trust in the Son of God will know the gift of God's eternal life. God isn't interested in condemning the world, but in saving it, in healing it, in making it whole. Jesus didn't articulate an elaborate systematic theology. He just helped Nicodemus make sense of what he was seeing, the saving love of God revealed in Christ for the sake of the whole world. We don't hear much about Nicodemus after this. He doesn't become a Peter or a Paul, a pillar of the church. But we see that this conversation had an impact on him. At Jesus' crucifixion, it was Nicodemus who went with Joseph of Arimathea to claim the body and to take care of it. Some kind of relationship had been born, though we don't know exactly what it looked like or what happened to Nicodemus. But I think a part of him lives on in us. He would be a good patron saint of modern and postmodern people. We are so educated and learned. We have information and facts at our fingertips that would have paralyzed the ancient mind. It paralyzes my mind, actually. We are rational, successful people, leaders in our work, in our communities. And like Nicodemus, we are people of faith. 
We are here on a Sunday morning even when we lost an hour of sleep. That's impressive. We are an impressive, smart, creative, faithful group of people who gather here at St. Mark's every week. Yet when it comes to relationship with Jesus, I'm not sure what all that means. No matter what our status as individuals or as a faith community, no matter how impressive we are, every one of us comes to Jesus in need of rebirth. We do not dazzle him with our education, our credentials, our piety, our wisdom, or the appearance that we have it all together. Jesus sees us, just like he saw Nicodemus. He knows what's going on in our hearts. He knows our confusion, our doubt, even our rebellion. We have so many questions, childlike questions. Who are you, God? How do you work in the world? Do you have a plan for the world? If you are powerful and filled with love, why is everything so messed up? And why is it so hard to believe? Like Nicodemus, we bring our questions to Jesus. I'm convinced it was a holy instinct that drew him there that night, an instinct born of God. It is a holy instinct that, that compels us to bring our questions to Christ. And he is faithful. He doesn't explain the mind of God to us as if we could ever understand. He doesn't put an end to the mystery of God. What Jesus offers is himself, and he offers the new birth that comes from relationship with him. When we look to Jesus, we see the nature of God's love for us. God doesn't love us because of who we have created ourselves to be. We are loved because we belong to God, because we are God's children, holy and dear. In our struggles and our confusion and our doubt, this love abides. God hangs on to us like a parent hangs on to a child. And it is because of this steadfast love that faith can be born and reborn in us. God didn't send Jesus into the world with a spirit of condemnation. We do enough of that ourselves. Jesus came into the world so that the saving mercy of God would be seen in the flesh, so that we would know the height and depth and breadth of God's love for us and for the whole world. This is the love in which we put our trust. This is the love with the power to make us new. Thanks be to God.